This podcast is presented by the John Papa John Entrepreneurial Center at the University of Iowa and Trade Labs. Whether you're a beginner or work on Wall Street, Trade Labs is the best place to share trading ideas and discuss the stock market online. Go to thetradelabs.com to join our quickly growing stock trading community. Again, that's www.thetradelabs.com. Welcome, everyone, to episode three of the BizBuzz podcast. Sorry for the delay. It's been a few weeks. Uh, we had some stuff going on. I finished my CPA exam. Noah has been working. Startup the, Accelerator has been uh, yep. pretty pretty busy this summer so far. It's been exciting, though. Yep. So uh, with those set aside now, we can start to move on and talk about some investing. And today... Uh, we got a really cool opportunity to bring on Nick Elchis, and we'll let him introduce himself because he's got a lot of good stuff to talk about. But uh, one of my good buddies, uh, Nick or Noah's best friend, you know, from what age did you like? We probably become friends? like five years old. I don't even know. Yeah, six years yeah, old. Okay. We've been friends for a long time. Buddies uh, work together a lot. Talk about this stuff and. Uh, um, uh, very talented and we're excited to have him on. So Nick, if you want to go ahead and give your background and, uh, tell everyone what you're all about, uh, feel free. So, yeah. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Um, I, yeah, I graduated with Noah in high school from Norwalk and now going to be a junior at the university of Iowa. I'm studying entrepreneurial management and hope to eventually get my master's degree at Iowa. Um, I have a background in software development, been working with a company called TMC Trucking for the last several summers in their IT department, building apps for them and uh, several other big trucking co companies. So, yep. Cool, man. Well, uh, thanks for coming on today. Um, I know uh, we, me and Noah, know how talented you really are, uh, but uh, as we get into it here, I really wanted to... Um, let you tell your story about your entrepreneurial development and kind of your companies and what you're working on and give us a story of your just your development in the last couple of years and how you you've uh, come up with these ideas and then started to work on them so to, uh, to get started with that along with those lines I think uh, I mean to start it off I want to hear a little bit more about your like first experience with um, entrepreneurship, like I obviously know this story pretty well because we did it pretty closely aligned together. But yeah. just tell that tell that story if you could and how you got started in high school. Yeah, sure. So I guess my entrepreneurial spirit really kind of started in high school. Um, Noah and I started working on custom designed like apparel for our high school sports teams. Um, we saw an issue with the way things were being done, the way people were ordering shirts and having them design, designed and shipped and collecting the money and all that. Um, and so Noah and I decided that we could do it better, basically um, simplify the process and make a little money for ourselves while we were in high school doing it. So we actually went online, found a place that would uh, make whatever design we needed them to they make the shirts and then ship them and collect all the money for us. And we just took a cut of it. So um, we started off with that, did that for several of our high school sports teams. Um, I played soccer in high school and we made it to several state championships, which allowed us to make um, apparel for those tournaments and 
a lot of the teammates and families from the Norwalk soccer team bought those. That's kind of what really inspired me to pursue entrepreneurship. Um, from there, I took that and started making online like uh, apparel, sh custom apparel shops, and we're hosting shops for um, different sports academies and other Norwalk sport sports teams and so then from there yeah from there i also expanded into like building websites and stuff built some websites for uh um, my uncle's company and a nonprofit in norwalk called 100 men of norwalk um and then that really led me into my job opportunity with tmc transportation um, I got an interview my senior year of high school with them, and they were really impressed with the things I was doing, building out my own company to like build websites and do this custom apparel. And uh, so they brought me on, and that's been one of the greatest experiences I've had so far. They've taught me so much with software development and um, just current like development and business processes that you don't really get at a lot of companies. Um, TMC Trucking is a really large national corporation. And so I get access to a lot of their tools and some of the de best developers in the Des Moines area, which has really accelerated my learning and um, it's been a great experience. Oh man, that is uh, cool to hear. Um... So I've uh, seen a lot on LinkedIn, Instagram, tons of posts. Um, I've seen the success. I want you to get into now what you're working on currently. Uh, we're obviously sponsored by Trade Labs. Uh, I want you to give, give the audience a rundown of what Trade Labs is all about and get a, uh, a couple of free seconds of advertising here and show them how to join and all that stuff. So uh, where did the idea come from? All that stuff. Yeah, uh, so the idea really started um, about the end of summer 2018, and Noah and I were trading together with several of our friends from Norwalk. Um, we started getting into options trading, and we saw how quickly you can make money off of um, just a simple prediction of where a stock price is going to go, kind of got addicted to that quick games, high risk, high reward type of trading and just started diving in and learning how to do it. Um, one of our friends, Carter Gornick, he had been big into options trading for several years. And so he was kind of a mentor to us in the beginning. And we really learned from him talking to him every day about options and the stock market and stuff like that. Um, and then Trade Labs was really born through that collaboration between our friends. We kind of wanted to recreate that group process of like young investors getting together and learning together and like figuring out mistakes and finding um, good trades together. And then uh, that really kicked off this idea that we could create some type of like network for traders or uh, social media, if you might. Um, and then we just kind of ran with it from there. Um, 
I knew that we had a pretty big opportunity given just the situation that we had put ourselves in and the resources that we have available to us. Um, you talk about that initial uh, introduction to trade labs or how we got started was really stemming from like our interest in trading. Would you be able to talk a little bit about like where that interest even comes from for you? Obviously you have kind of a unique situation with your dad as well. And I'm sure he's a big like influence on you from a young age. I'm just kind of curious, like when did you start knowing about the stock market and like really looking at it and watching it? Yeah. Um, that's a great point. My dad was a huge influence in my interest in the stock market and investing. Um, I kind of got started my sophomore year of high school, I believe he opened a brokerage account for me and put some money in it. And we bought AMD, Apple, um, principal financial group and a couple other stocks. And I didn't really think of it at that point as like any big deal. It was just kind of something we did. And my dad said, I thank him for it down the road. And uh, I can definitely say I'm thanking him for it now. Um, those initial stocks we bought have done great, returned some great money for me. And that's really what kind of kicked off my love for investing and trading. And I realized from a very young age how important it is. And that's something that my dad um, kind of instilled in me and has taught me along the way that um, the one thing that most people get wrong, I guess, is that they don't save enough their money and they don't invest their money. Um, the earlier that you can start investing, the better. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, that's definitely something we uh, we talk about a lot here on the podcast and preach to listeners that aren't investing, that they get started or at least start watching the market early because you never know when those skills will actually start coming up and you don't want to be 10 years behind when that when that finally catches up to you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, it was actually funny. Um, my dad and I just set up a Vanguard account, um, which is something that I recommend for all of our listeners to do if you haven't already. Um, the funny thing is Vanguard actually doesn't even consider investors that are younger than like 21 on a lot of their like pages and tools, which I thought was interesting that like most people aren't even considering like a retirement account or investing or anything like that until they're like late thirties. And at that point it's like, it's a little too late, but that's why kind of like trade labs was born too. It was like Noah and I and several of our friends like recognized that we were, kind of different. We got ahead of the curve and we're early on it. Um, and a lot of our friends actually became interested. Our friends that weren't trading came interested in what we were doing and uh, like how we were making our money and stuff like that. And, uh, it just drew a lot of interest from like outsiders and we wanted to keep that up and start talking to more people, more college kids and like raise awareness for how important it is to get started early. 
Definitely. Um, one thing I want you to talk more about is now that you, you know, are uh, running trade labs and are documenting all of your, you know, most of your trades and you're discussing this with members and that sort of thing. Uh, how has trade labs affected your investing strategy, your trading strategy? That's a great question. Um, since I started documenting all of my trades in our trading group and calling them out and stuff. Um, the one biggest thing I've noticed is like, I've become a better trader just through our group collaboration and like kind of holding myself yeah. to a certain standard and a set of rules that I have now. Um, before we really started trade labs, I was kind of just like, trading on a whim and like if i saw something that looked decent i'd jump in and it wouldn't go what a, like the right way and um it was frustrating for a while like not really f knowing what type of trader i was and what i was interested in and um that's been one really big thing that trade labs has done for me so i kind of solidified my trading strategy and uh, recognized like the different advantages and opportunities that I have within the market. And I can definitely agree to that as well, since I've started posting uh, trades and stuff in the trade labs and just like, kind of like you said, being held accountable almost for our trades beyond just our like financial accountability. It makes you kind of like second guess uh, trades that you might be a little less confident on and you don't really want to like, enter these trades or share these trades because you know that they're not as high probability and it, it definitely keeps me a little bit more in check and I like look for only the best trades kind of. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, the other thing I'll say that was super beneficial for me was starting a trading journal. Um, I created a simple Excel document and I just made a sheet where I could track all of my trades and um, keep myself actually really accountable to what I was doing. And then once you start doing that for a while and making a lot of trades, you can start to recognize patterns within um, your trading style. And like you can start um, like sorting out where you're making mistakes and how you can improve from that. Um, so one of the things that I noticed was I was making a lot of risky plays that I didn't need to and there wasn't any actual like support behind the decisions I was making like there wasn't any technical analysis it was just like I saw a news article and I decided to hop in on a trade um, but once I started recognizing that through the trading journal I was able to like create those rules where I was like I needed to see a good pattern that I liked that I knew would be a highly probable trade. And then I went and looked at like news and made sure that the markets were backing my bias, uh, my position bias. And um, so then from there, it, it just really created a whole like process that I do before all my trades now to make sure that like things are all going in my way or in my favor. And I found that a lot more success since then. 
Um, I think, I, think I was averaging, yeah, I think I was averaging like 58 to 60% um, winning trades when I first kind of started that spreadsheet. And then from there, I've gotten it up into the high 60s, which just from that, I've seen a lot of growth. Obviously, your trading plan has really developed over time, and you've gone. You know, you just talked about it. Your your risk seeking habits, you know, have gone to the wayside, and you've kind of adjusted your plan. What so options? Obviously, you can get some quick hitters and make some fast money, and a lot of times you're taking positions that will last less than two weeks or even a week at some you know some positions. It could even go a day. Um, Tell us about like your emotional awareness and like, how that's developed over time. And I know with my experience in options, like you get into positions and you know it's risky, it's volatile, it's going up and down. Your position changes quickly, and that can really you know weigh on your mind and get you thinking and a lot of bad habits. How has your like emotional stability changed over time? And what are you working on? And then also like. How can you feel yourself going against your own plan sometimes and just get like your emotional thought process? How does that work? Uh, yeah. So th that's a great question because I found that emotions for me has been one of my biggest um, downfalls or weaknesses with trading. Um, when I first started back in summer of 2018, um, Noah and I and a couple of our friends went in on a options earnings play on was, Bed Bath and Beyond. I was just about to mention this. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember yeah. that. And some of the people listening might also know about it, this story, but um, we were very, very new to options trading. Um, didn't even know what implied volatility was. If you don't know what implied volatility is and you're an options trader, definitely go look at it before you make a mistake like we did. Um, but so what happened with earnings plays, Bed Bath & Beyond, we expected it to crash on earnings fall. Um, I think the implied move was like 10 or 12%. Yeah, it was huge. So we were, we were betting that it was going to be more than that. Um, and so the day before... I remember being at work and I placed the trades. I went in way too big. Like I was, we were all like, we're going to make so much money off of this. We're going to crush it tomorrow. We're going to wake up and just be rich. Cause we thought we were like so right about it um, that we couldn't be wrong. And that's where we went wrong. Um, and so I went in way too big after hours earnings came out. Um, it was way down. I checked my position and the after hours price, I was projected to be like up 15% on my money, which I was ecstatic about. Told my parents, told a bunch of people, was so excited. Wake up next morning, market opens and like the prices weren't making sense. I was like, what's going on here? This doesn't make sense. Like I'm down so much money, what's going on? <laughs> and um, so what actually happened, implied volatility, which we didn't know about, ended up crashing, which brings down the premiums of options. And so 
I think I ended up losing about 50 or 60% of my money, which was a very sizable amount for the bet that I had made. And um, that was my biggest lesson on options, on trading, on money management, risk management. Um, I learned so many lessons from that, <laughs> that loss. Uh, so I guess to go back to your question then, with emotions and trading um from there i really realized uh that emotions come from like a lack of a set plan a set strategy um and a lack of risk management um when you are trading options risk management becomes one of the most important like skills you can learn, being able to size your bets depending on like your um, confidence in the trade or something like that, your different criteria that you set for yourself. Um, that's really helped remove all emotions for me from trading. At this point, I can be in six to 10 positions and they're all um, risk adjusted so that whether one of them, all of them go wrong, it's not going to blow out my account, which is really important. Being able to make it to the next trade and learn from your mistakes is super important. So think, sizing your risk is a great tool to have. I think what you, what you mentioned about confidence and, I mean emotions in general, but specifically confidence. I think that's a really important piece. And I definitely beyond that one experience that you just talked about where I also lost quite a bit of money before that there was times when like Carter and I had just gotten into options trading and the, the market was on fire at the end of 2017 going into January of 2018. And it felt like we were printing money basically. I mean, we put, we bought calls on anything in the market and a week later we were up a hundred percent. It was amazing. <laughs> and then the market crashed a week later and we were in way too big because we were super confident off of all of those wins. And I think that's when it really like stuck in my mind, I guess that you need to like keep your confidence in check and it's very easy with options especially if you get those early wins to like think you know what's going on and you think you know what's going to happen but you just have to like remind yourself that the market is very unpredictable and you'll get burned if you keep keep thinking you're hot stuff <laughs> yep for sure um i've been through that too you know with the i guess the beginning of this semester or this last year, um, we had a great, it was like our first couple of weeks after starting our trade labs trading group. Um, and we were just on fire. Like the market was ripping, getting up to almost all time highs again. Um, and basically, like you said, in 2017, it was like you could place calls on anything you wanted. Yep. Just like, throw a dart, hit the dartboard, and anything you wanted was going up. Um, and we that was when I had my first $1,000 day. And it was, like, incredible. Felt like I was on top of the world. My confidence was way too high. Um, the next week, I was 
placing trades that didn't even make sense. Like I, I look back on it now. Um, and this was when I was doing my trading journal and I've got like a losing streak of seven trades or something that like really opened my eyes to it's one thing to like make a bunch of money one day, but then it's so important to like protect your losses, limit your losses and let your winners run. Um, that's something that I've had to learn through the last couple of years of trading. Um, you just, you got to protect your, your money to be able to move on to the next trade and make another, um, hopefully good trade. Definitely. A little, uh, a little shift in the conversation still revolving around trading, but I'm curious, um, your opinion on some of the current like market trends and what's going on right now. So, uh, the first thing I want to bring up, cause I know obviously we're close friends and I know you're a big Tesla fan and Tesla is in a very interesting spot right now. And I'm not asking for a trade prediction necessarily, but what, what do you see? Um, like, what do you, what do you think Tesla needs to get done to get out of the rut that they're in? Or do you think they're screwed? <laughs> yeah. Um, good question. Um, I don't know if you saw, but they just, Tesla needs, they, they just finalized the deal for Maxwell technology too, which I know is really, really going to, kind of increase their uh, potential for their battery technology, which I think, in my opinion, Tesla is much more of a battery company than a car company. And uh, Maxwell is a very interesting acquisition. I think it could help them a lot in the long run. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. Tesla, one of their biggest advantages is their batteries. Um, you look at the other EV competitors um, and their battery ranges just can't compare to Teslas, uh, with the Gigafactory one and Gigafactory two being built in China, um, they're going to have a very big hold on that market. I, I would predict. Um, so that's one good thing they've got going for them. Um, couple negatives that I foresee. Um, Elon, love Elon to death. I he's one of my biggest idols, and I've learned so much from him already. Um, but one of the bad things about being a Tesla investor is he's kind of a loose cannon. Um, you never really know what Elon's going to do or say, yeah. which is exciting. But um, when your money's on the line, a little nerve wracking. Uh, so with all the things that he's been tied up with the SEC and stuff like that, it's a little unnerving, but I, I'm long-term optimistic on Tesla's goals and their ability to deliver on um, some of their plans with the the gigafactories we've seen those he's delivered on those he's delivered on them the model uh, three which has taken over the entire electric vehicle market recently and I have a suspicion that this quarter will be very good for Tesla. Um, we'll see new record numbers for number of Model 3s that they ship and sell. Um, so I don't, I don't think Tesla's out of the the 
the rut, if you will say that, or the the hard times, but I think they're they're on a good path for now. I saw an article just yesterday or this morning, I don't remember, that said uh, Morgan Stanley says Tesla's full self-driving technology is undervalued in the market right now and that it should be like more reflective on their stock price uh, because their self-driving tech is just like so above and beyond every other competitor right now that they think that should be like, I don't know, more of the forefront of the news. Yeah, that's I think, a I think really that's, good point. I think that's a good point, and I think it's great to see a big name like Morgan Stanley. Obviously, anything that comes out from them kind of has a big effect on the stock market. Usually, people pay attention to what big analysts like them have to say. So I think it's kind of cool to see someone like a big name like that actually giving them credit where I think they deserve it. I mean, even yeah. today, you see J.P. Morgan come out. Or was that yesterday? J.P. Morgan came out with Beyond Meat saying it they were above their price target, and they were down, I want to say, like 24% or so just off of that rating alone. So uh, th- those big players, those big investment bankers have a lot of pull, especially in the you know today's day of technology and 24-7 coverage of the market. You know, they tend to over-exaggerate and try to, you know, say the sky is falling on one end or, you know, on the other end that the stock price is going through the roof. So that's interesting to see. One thing that scares me about Tesla, and I don't know, I'm obviously too a huge fan of Elon. Like, how could you not be a fan of a guy who just put his model, well, what do you put in the... Model S. Model S. He put his first model S. Oh, yeah, it was his first Roadster. I I forgot about that, yeah put a roadster into space so how can you not think that's the like the coolest thing to ever happen but uh and you know is you have tesla with 10 months of cash on one end you have some people you know putting price targets around two to three thousand dollars on the other end they say you know you have people coming out and saying that worst case scenario it could go to you know 70 80 bucks it just the volatility in there you know like you said he's elon's a loose cannon and he you know comes up with new news you know just about every single day it's interesting to me if anything this recent downturn in tesla's price is just a great opportunity to buy, you know, um, if you're long-term optimistic or long-term bullish on it right now is like a, a dream basically. Yeah. Um, you're buying Tesla for half off or more than that now, I guess. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's great. Bargain um, hunting. Yeah, seriously. It's on sale. Uh, is there any, uh, industries or sectors that I know you're into technology, uh, so that could possibly be one of them. Is there any sectors or industries you're like you watch daily or are super interested in? Um, and can you kind of tell like sectors? Did you just pick it by accident or like what have you always kind of followed? Um, yeah, so I'm a big technology software guy. So those are the companies that I follow. Um, I don't really dabble in any other sectors other than tech and financials mainly. Um, I think those are two good sectors for anyone to start with to kind of get a sense of where the market's going and how the economy's working and stuff like that. Um, So for new investors, I definitely recommend 
um, big name tech companies and banks. Um, those are always great to follow. Um, and then from there, I really kind of focused down on some of my favorite tech names um, that I trade weekly with options and um, I hold a lot of long-term tech. Um, yeah. I I know earlier we were talking a bit about um, recent IPOs and potential IPOs and one of them we talked about was Slack. And I uh, just re- recently read an article as, as users of Slack as well. It's kind of interesting to see uh, their numbers finally come out as they attempt to go public. And I, I read that they had 10 million people spend more than 50 million hours on Slack in a typical work week, which is over an hour per user each day. And from a, from an investor standpoint, that sounds like a great product and service, like clearly the users are loving it. But from just a pure entrepreneur and tech perspective, that blows my mind. And I, I'd imagine you're pretty blown away by that too. I can't imagine having numbers like that, especially after like a pretty new company, pretty new technology. Does that surprise you at all? Um, that's actually pretty crazy. I hadn't heard of those numbers yet. I know. Um, that's insane. But it, it 100% makes sense. I literally use Slack all day at work um, with trade labs, with any project I'm working on, I'll use Slack. Uh, there's so many integrations and value points with using Slack, and it's a great tool to use. Um, yeah. As far as a, a company and a, a business, uh, I think like any new IPO and kind of relatively new startup, they've got a lot of stuff to work on with their business model and figuring that. Um, but with, like you said, with those numbers, the if the users are there and using it, they'll find some way to make it. And I know they already have. They've got their upgrades and um, extra integrations with apps that you can do, which is the main reason I use it. Um, it integrates with GitHub, Google Drive, Trello, so many different apps that I also use on a daily basis. Um, and then I know they've recently started integrating with uh, software development companies and um, software so that you have like all of your programs feeding into like your Slack group and you can get notifications on all these different things. And um, it's just a really great workflow tool definitely i have a few things i want to uh, get to um i want to know your thoughts on a huge recession indicator in the inverse yield curve or treasury notes versus the 10-year uh do you you know for the longest time i want to say probably four years now the market has been going off and like we talked about earlier you could throw you know, a dart at a dartboard, you know, blindfolded, and you'd probably do pretty well buying calls. Um, do you watch certain indicators like an inverse yield curve? Um, as far as predictions, do you see? Um, I know we all know that 
a lot of companies are over not overpriced they are trading at a lot more than their earnings are and that's okay too uh, because companies are doing well they have the big tax cuts um, a lot of good stuff happened to them over the last you know three or four years but what indicate you know do you follow certain indicators what do you like to look at um, and what are your thoughts as far as as we move forward do you think do you predict a, a, a bearish market do you think we'll level out what uh, what is your uh, insider I guess foresight um, wh- what do you what do you predict yeah um, I'm not huge into looking at like macro um, market indicators and stuff like that I'm read about the inverse yield curve and stuff like that. And there's varied opinions on whether that signals an incoming recession and stuff like that. Um, My biggest thing is that like, as most people know, the market and the economy um, moves in cyclical patterns. So you'll have your ups, you'll have your downs and that's the way the market works. Um, and so I believe it's on average like every 10 years that we have a recession and uh, a market downturn. So we're at 11 years or 12 years, I believe, right now. So we're overdue. Um, it's it's coming. Like there's no way to avoid it. It's just the way the economy works. Um, so it's always good right now to be cautious of that, especially with um, Trump and the trade wars and stuff like that uh i think there's plenty of like leading indicators telling us that a downturn or recession is incoming within the next several years um you know like the trump trade wars with china like if that we've seen hints of that um throwing the economy and the markets off um we're kind of a little bit out of that now. I foresee us getting into more of that again into 2020 with the elections. Um, if that does go through, we'll see a tenser relationship with China, but also just um, it'll impact the entire world economy. So you'll see other countries being affected by these tariffs and Um, we might place more tariffs on other countries and it'll just eventually become a big battle of tariffs. And that is a perfect way to send an economy into the recession. Because if you're, if every company is worried about raising prices due to tariffs and stuff like that, it's, it's going to change demand and supply um, levels within the economy. And I was just going to, I was just going to say I'm very similar to Nick along the lines of I don't watch uh, macro indicators a whole lot, but like Nick said, when you have the combination of like a cyclical market looking like a downturn is coming and combine that with rough global economics, like with the trade wars and stuff like that going on, I think it's kind of doomed, I guess you could say. It's inevitable to happen. It's really just a matter of when and how bad it'll be. Yeah, for sure. Um, And at the age that we are, I am looking forward to a recession coming in the next couple of years. Um, Being that I am just 20 years old in college, 
Um, I have a couple years before I'm like getting income from a job or doing whatever um, before I have a steady income stream. So if I, if I get a better chance to buy at a lower price in the market, um, like I, I, I love that. I'll take that. Cause that just sets me up better for retirement and um, longer term down the road. Uh, you want to be buying low and selling high. So if the market turns down, um, I'm going to be looking at it as a time to start putting larger chunks of money into indexes and stuff like that. And I really want to emphasize what you just said, because I think especially for younger adults, millennial age investors, especially for people who have avoided it thus far, um, I really want to emphasize that just because a market downturn is happening or may happen or did happen in the past does not mean that there's not opportunity there. And if anything, it really just means now more than ever is the time that you should be like spending time watching the market, learning these skills, because very shortly, most likely there's going to be some sales going on on the market yeah. and some opportunities to really dip your toes in. And I want to reiterate that too, because I think Nick, you just made almost the perfect point and kind of the whole basis on why Noah and I started this podcast is kind of changing the conversation for millennials and young people around investing and really showing that like, when you say, you know, the it's, I don't know if it's an ethical question, but when you say like you're looking forward to the next recession, I don't know that that's a bad thing just because those prices are going on sale. And we wanted to change that conversation around, you know, are market downturns a bad thing? No, if you manage your risk and you're able to set, you know, obviously cash and other assets aside that work for you in those times, you can capitalize on the opportunities of buying all kinds of investments, stocks, bonds, all that stuff um, at a low price when it goes on sale during a recession, during market downturns. And, and I really think that emphasizes the whole basis behind why we started this. You know, people think of buying when, you know, the prices go up and selling when the prices go down. And it's completely opposite. You want to buy those prices when they go low and then resell those as uh, prices start to increase and over appreciate beyond their value. So I think you hit the, you know, the nail right on the head um, as far as looking forward to the next recession, you just got to manage your risk. So I thought that was perfect. And I think that's going to be a good way to wrap this up. We're approaching 47 minutes right now. And I think that's probably long enough for most people to listen, but I just want to say personally and on behalf of, Corbin as well. Thank you for coming on. And I'm sure as the co-founder of Trade Labs with me, uh, we'll have you on plenty more times in the future talking about business and the markets and all that kind of stuff as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks for having me guys. It was great to talk. Uh, we'll definitely be doing this again soon. Got a lot more uh, software projects, ideas, entrepreneurial ideas that I'd love to talk to you guys about. So Perfect, man. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks for listening to this episode, and we'll see you next time, guys.